Welcome to Liz Collin Reports, where we talk truth and have meaningful Minnesota conversations. Our attention this week turns to the state capitol, where the Minnesota legislature convenes on January 3rd. For the first time in eight years, Democrats will control both the House and the Senate. And there will be plenty of new faces in St. Paul, including Don Gilman, who represents House District 17A, part of South Central Minnesota. Don is one of 25 new Republicans in the House, a small business owner in Dassel, wife, mother of five, and the founder of a grassroots movement that took on Governor Walls and his school policies during the pandemic. Don is my guest today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Liz. I wanted to ask you on because I think your story is so inspiring to, to many people, but let's start with while you may seem familiar to some folks, but you did, you took on government head on with the Let Them Play Minnesota. But take us back a couple of years ago, uh, what you did and and why. Right. So I got a message from a friend on Facebook when Louisiana was able to get their um, sports back and get things rolling back in the beginning of September of 2020 and connected with a, with a mom down in Louisiana. And her approach was um, her letter to the governor down in Louisiana went viral. And she said, just find any group you can get on you know, um, lock arms with as many people as you can in Minnesota. And that's just how you get momentum going to kind of push things through. And um, as I was looking that day, I could not find any group. So I started a group called Let Them Play Minnesota. The next day I had the news station in my, in my porch with some, some family and friends that were talking about, Hey, how can we, how can we do this in Minnesota? So that's how we got things rolling and grew rapidly to, 26,000 um, members on social media and then just just boots on the ground. We just went to work and that's with the Minnesota. Um, we got information from the Minnesota Department of Health, Education, our governor's office and just kept pushing. Why? Why can't these kids get back to playing sports when they they're safe out there? So and I know you raised more than a half million dollars in less than a year and in the end uh, succeeded in your fight. Yes, yes. Some of our lawsuits, you know, that that transpired that year kind of um, didn't happen in as quick as we'd like them to go. So pursued different ways to get expedited discovery. And we got that. And then indeed, through getting um, discovery found that the second shutdown um, was unnecessary and, um, and it injured not only the youth and kids in Minnesota, but businesses as well. So it was quite, quite the experience. Um, it was incredible to, to keep it very bipartisan and grassroots. So we kept the politics out of it, even though the governor was playing politics with our kids. We um, figured out ways that we could work together and kept the kids as the common goal. And that's what, I cho- that's what I'm choosing to do, too, when I go down to work at the Capitol. And let's talk about that. I think it's a question you're getting a lot of lately, but realistically, what can be done as the minority party uh, in St. Paul this year? And, you know, and maybe just talk about your reaction to just how blue the results were uh, in Minnesota in November. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, um, you know, joining in in on this um, next level of, of influence in our in our in our state. Um, through lawmaking and finding out things were blue across the board, you know, of course was not what we hoped for, not what we were, but again, looking at it going already what we're doing to get ready for the next two years. 
And that's to turn out more voters. The bottom line is it comes down to numbers and it comes down to if people believe their vote matters or not, it does matter. So we're going to, we're going to hit the, I, I hit the ground running and I was really blessed with a great campaign team that got me out door knocking. And, and it wasn't only door knocking for myself, but for our state, state um, folks to our city council, school board members, things like that, to get people to come out and, um, and have their voices be heard. So, um, you know, things that we can do in the minority is we can shine light on some of these preposterous uh, things that they're going to bring forward that have, that one-time spending could turn into, you know, years of growing our government in Minnesota versus shrinking it. And all of that growth, you know, comes down to taxpayer dollars. You know, I'm going to learn things from a different perspective being in the minority. We have 24 new freshmen on the Republican side coming in and we all are we're ready and we all bring different things to the table and it'll be really great to figure out how we can work together collectively and even across the aisle what we can do with moderate Democrats to lock arms with them and say it's for the future of your grandchildren and your children that we don't let some of these policies these bad policies go through. And the Democratic majorities are just 70, 64 in the House, 64, 63 in the Senate. So uh, pretty easy to say that some tough deal making uh, is is likely ahead. And Democrats have said their priorities are protecting abortion rights, legalizing marijuana, more money for education, creating paid family and medical leave, uh, passing gun safety bills also. But what are the priorities uh, for you, for, for the Republicans uh, this year, Don? Well, I mean, a big thing, our Second Amendment, um, when it says shall not be infringed upon, and is it's very simple. And, um, and I believe there's so much infringement happening, especially with our police and peace officers. And um, I feel like they have one arm tied behind their back right now on how they can um, protect and serve. And how are we going to attract in more, more safety issues? And again, um, we thought that that would be enough to, um, to change things, the shutdowns, you know, all the different things that happen would be enough for people to go, we want something different. Um, so we're going to have to get in there with that. And so in my district, again, I'm encouraged because I've met several legislators that have been in the majority and in the minority, and they still have been able to get work done. Uh, so, uh, it's figuring out what we can do, what I can do for my district and work alongside people, you know, and, um, Human services, human services, I'll be on the environment um, committee and then also um, sustainable infrastructure. So lots of big committees and lots of big things to do. But I know that, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of things happening that I think we can have influence on when we just look at common sense approach. That's my hope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopes are always high this time of year. We do know that. But and talk about the you know the seventeen billion dollar surplus. Uh, where do you think uh, that money should go? If you paid in too much, you would be getting a refund check of all of that you paid in too much. So we believe that it should go back to the taxpayers in permanent tax cuts, permanent tax cuts, and then um, in investing in our public safety. You know, looking at you know, special um, education in our schools when they talk about growing our education funds and money they want to give, where do they want to give it and how do they want to give it? Um, if we look at the data of how there's disparities with um, Minneapolis gets sometimes compared to some other areas in the state, twice as much per pupil. 
and their graduation rates are half. I mean, half of what they are other places. Throwing money at a problem necessarily isn't the answer. So figuring out where should the money go, um, how do we incentivize people, and why are people leaving um, the, the metro and moving out to the suburbs and moving to other states? And a lot of them, it is a, it's a safety concern. And we would be working on permanent tax cuts through Social Security and, you know, incentivizing people to stay here, especially um, people in, high, you know, higher income tax brackets, because there's more taxes that are collected from them. So, well, and I'm glad you brought that up, Don, because that was just recent news that in 2022, 20,000 Minnesota residents uh, left. That's the highest number in, in 30 years. But, but yeah, you're right. These aren't just snow, snowbirds flocking uh, to, to warm, warmer climates, but taxes uh, seems to be top of it and, and crime, something that we probably never really considered as Minnesotans uh, just a few years ago, but that's now uh, playing, playing a role. It's um, absolutely frightening. I mean, that should be on the front page of every paper is why, why are people leaving? And th- those are big numbers. And um, the data is, a- we're able to get the data. It's like, you know, before we heard follow the science, well, let's follow it. Let's be really honest about it and um, not speculate why people are leaving. I mean, people that want to leave to warmer weather have done that for years. And uh, But it's not just that. You know, how many of us know people that will stay somewhere, have residence somewhere else six months in one day, but they come back and they love Minnesota and they don't sell their other place here, but they do that for that tax um, issue. Mm-hmm. And if we look at nationally and um, statewide where we're at, we're at the top of, we're at the top. And what, what are we getting in return? So, you know, more and more youth are, are dying um, by suicide and issues with um, mental health issues. And, um, you know, the education piece is, is a big deal for our family. And, you know, I would be very concerned if my kids were in certain school districts right now, not only for safety, but just for you know, their education. Yeah. And let, let's talk about that uh, a bit more because your personal story, I think is uh, just wonderful. I've mentioned you're, you know, you're a mother of five, but you've personally talked about this culture ideology piece at play. I've heard you say it before, but what is your advice for Minnesota parents trying to navigate all of this? Um, and as I said, your own family story is, is incredible. So blessed. Our, our, we had a neighbor girl years ago that we met with, my husband and I interviewed, that was adopted. And um, she just encouraged us in, in rural Minnesota, if you're going to choose to adopt outside of your race, consider adopting more siblings for that child. And um, that was a great piece of advice. Uh because there are cultural differences, you know, there's, there's visual differences, but there's also, um, this beautiful way to learn about people's history. And, and again, I, just with the, the media and just the word diversity, I like to ask people define what diversity means to you. Cause I believe that we're all created unique and special by God. And, and that's how we've raised our children. And, you know, even my oldest son had said, uh, He's grateful for his ancestry and what they've, you know, and knows that he doesn't have um, any recollection of any, you know, horrible things that have happened in the past. But he goes, I am a beneficiary of their great DNA, their strong fortitude, um, strong body and a strong mind. And he's using it for good. And he's, you know, gone to the next level, um, not only academically, but he um, is playing D1 football. And that is not for, for just anybody. It's, it's a, it's an intense deal. So we've raised our children to, um, 
you know, to treat others the way that they want to be treated and to also, um, you know, and we've brought influence into their life if they're looking for different things like that. Reading, I homeschooled for years. Um, so when we talk about critical race theory, um, it's concerning to me because if some of the language is used that they want to use that I've looked at, it could end up bringing more separation and divide and more attention that um, for my family would have been really devastating. Instead, we brought in more history. We brought in just truth about what happened, but also um, the strength and the great stories and the, the freedom and all the great things too. So I think there's a, just a few different ways to look at it. You know, I'm really proud of our minority leader, Lisa. Lisa Demeth is just going to be incredible. And she, in her first caucus meeting, you know, when we were trying to figure out who, to, who we were going to vote in, she said, don't let my race and, and um, you know, me being a female be the reason that you vote for me. That's a true leader. And that's that's who I'd like to get behind. I think that's a, a great reason for, for hope uh, as we end. I think uh, many of us are, are proud to have a voice li- like you at the state capitol. So we certainly wish you luck. Nervous at all going into going into the session? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's always unknowns. It's a, it's a brand new job and a new role. But again, super, um, the, every step of the way so far is there's experts in every area that people are helpful. They're willing to do whatever it takes to, um, you know, to help Minnesota. And so again, I just think, you know, giving back to not only my district, but to help, you know, make a, make an imprint on future generations is what I'm feeling called to do. And, and I think we'll have a great team around us to, to be of influence. And I've, and I'm just really, I feel honored and privileged to be able to do that. Well, Don Gilman, thank you again for, for being my guest. And yes, we wish you the best of luck in St. Paul. Thanks so much. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time. Music